With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mets fans, welcome to episode 312 of Amazing Avenue Audio, the official podcast of your SB Nation New York Mets site, Amazing Avenue. My name is Brian Salvatore. Thank you for joining us this week. My pal and yours, Rob Wolf, is on the show, and let's get right to it. Well, Rob, we are about a week or so into uh, spring training. We had our first spring training game on Saturday. I believe right now the Mets are 2 3 and 1 in spring training games which means nothing of course um but there there you know there are a few things that have happened so far in camp that have been of note uh two of them are uh, minor injuries or at least we hope minor injuries <laughs> knock on wood that's me literally locking <laughs> knocking on wood uh to Jed Lowry who has a a knee injury and Todd Frazier who has a uh it's I guess it's an oblique injury um mm-hmm. Obviously, we don't know a lot about either of these yet. Both have been to New York for further testing. Are, are you particularly worried about an injury in the last week of February, or are you trying to be more zen about this? Um, trying to be more zen about it. I mean, you know, they it, at least it's in the area where they really built up that depth, you know? Um, <laughs> yes, the one area. Yeah. Um, you know, I... I can be quick to, you know, go to the panic city with particularly with injuries because, you know, that just, you know, but you know, that's something like I was looking through like our website today and I remember that Jacob deGrom went for an MRI in April of last year and I probably was like, he's done for the year. We're never going <laughs> to see him again. So, you know, it's, it's February. We these guys, these are two players who probably don't need a lot of spring, probably don't want a lot of spring, um, you know. I, of course, every time, you know, you have the, oh, it's a minor issue, Jed Lowry. Oh, then a day later, opening day is in question. You are kind of like, why do the vets cover things like this? <laughs> you know, it, right. it, it makes it feel like it's snowballing, uh, which is not the reality, but it's it's the reality of the coverage. Uh, but well, no, you know, I'm not. I'm not panicking. <laughs> the only reason I am... And panic is the wrong word, but the the only reason I'm slightly concerned about this is just that it it, it was sort of evident, but not in your face this off season how old the Mets got over the course of the off season. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. when you look around their starting infield before McNeil, the McNeil. I'm sorry, I keep calling Alonso McNeil and vice versa this this spring. <laughs> uh, if Alonso doesn't start with the team, you're looking at 
essentially every player on the infield aside from Rosario is over 30. Mm. And that's that's not great. Um I mean, yeah. look, many players are quite good after 30. Chris would kill me. Chris is a big fan of uh what he calls the right side of 30, which is <laughs> being over 30 <laughs> uh, because you know players don't magically get bad once they turn 30 but in terms of of injuries players as they get older are more susceptible to to injuries just generally and so when you have a first baseman <clears throat> second baseman and third baseman who are all you know over 30 when you have Wilson Ramos who's not a kid behind mm-hmm. the plate it uh it gives it makes the reality of injuries seem even more scary than it is for any other team you know uh it just it just to me was a little bit worrisome just thinking like oh i'm not so worried about these injuries but this might be something i have to get used to this season that's a good point um yeah it's a a really weird team age-wise isn't it how like you know I've, i've seen that criticism of like oh the mets are going in with all these key players over 30 you know that's not modern baseball that's not today's baseball then it's like actually you could you know you your their core is you know nimo conforto you know hopefully rosario alonzo mcneil and you're like oh yeah but but they're young too but but you're right it's it's like i don't know you know it's, it's just a different mix than you know say the astros who have all grown up together and right, you know right. 23 to 29 there's like yeah cano and frazier uh and lowry and the older and Ramos, the older free agents they've bought, you know, to, you know, that, to be more efficient with their money. And, but, you know, there is like a nice young core as well. I mean, not quite the dynamic yet, you know, maybe not like yeah, what the Astros and the Cubs have offensively, but players that, you know, you can more reasonably dream on staying healthy, barring a freak injury and, progressing at the stage in their career right. where they can get better and stay healthy. So, um, you know, I think I would have felt worse, except, you know, I think part of me was not quite looking at Frazier as an everyday starter anymore, but, you know, then of course Lowry's hurt. You are, and, right. you know, or you do that thing with McNeil where you're yo-yoing him, you know, no play third, play left field, which might work or might not. Um, it worried me, but uh, I think your point about it possibly being a chronic issue to monitor all year is probably the, you know, the more pessimistic take. <laughs> pessimistic take <Yeah>. on it. <laughs> no, no, I just think it's the more salient thing to be like, oh yeah, like this might not be a one-off. This might be something that haunt, you know haunts this team chronically, but. I am trying to be like, it's not even March and, you know, I don't know. It's not an elbow twinge and one of the three big starters. Right, right, yeah. No, that's that's, that's totally true. And and, and to your point, I do think that the Mets have a great young core. My, My fear about their core has nothing to do with the players themselves. It has to do with the, um, the sort of, and this was prevalent even under I mean, 
under every GM the Mets have had in the last 15, 20 years, this has been prevalent, where, okay, so Jeff McNeil has a breakout season. They find a way to instantly make him play out of position. You know, Ahmed <laughs> Rosario has a the beginnings of really good season. Well, maybe he should be playing center field for us. <laughs> uh, you know, just I feel like there's, you know, there are ways to mess this up a little bit <laughs> that uh, that just it gives me pause. I think if Brody came in and said, like, we have you know the five players that you mentioned or so, you know, those are the guys we're going to build around and we're going to support those guys with role players and with mm-hmm. free agents and with <clears throat> trades that support those players. It seemed to me like Brody went for this. And I, I think I might have said this in the podcast before, but he kind of approaches this team like you approach the NFL draft where you take the best athlete available. Kind of regardless, you know, unless you have like a franchise quarterback or a franchise, you know, running back, you sort of take the best player available in the NFL draft because yeah. the talent up top is so good that you just take what you can get, right? And I feel like Brody looked at what out and looked at what was available and said, like, all right, I think the three best hitters available are, you know, Robbie Cano, um, Wilson Ramos, and Jed Lowry, and it doesn't matter that. Two of those are sort of redundancies in and of themselves. Plus, there's McNeil. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just going to go out and get the best players available, and that's an interesting position. I just <clears throat> don't know if that's necessarily how I would have built the team. But then again, what what do I know? Uh, I, I think we're on the same page there. Not not what the hell do you know? I think you know a lot. <laughs> what the, what well, the thank hell you, do friend. I know nothing. Uh, but I <laughs> yeah, I feel similar, and like I hope you know. I hope Robbie Cano is hitting his 40th homer, and I'm still like, ah, I wouldn't have traded for that guy. Like, yeah. <laughs> he's he's still going to be a Met when he's 40. It's ridiculous. We don't have the DH yet. Um, <laughs> you know, that was the move that I, you know, and I, you know, we, we, we have legislated this. <laughs> wait, you know, but I am also thrilled about seeing Edwin Diaz, you know, so, and, and you know, Robbie Cano is not a, you know, not, you know, he, he was very productive last year, and, yeah, like I said, I hope it's he's hitting forty for the Mets and not like a year and a half from now we're releasing him. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, um, it was interesting. Like I, I think I just agree with you that. Yeah, you know, but it, it it's not the stupidest thing in the world. I mean, I, there is when you when you phrase it that way, you know, best you know value regardless of position. I mean, you know, it's a little different in baseball, but. There's, oh, it's very there's different value to that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but there's value to that. I mean, it's not, you know, you could get the prestigious money ball market inefficiencies, you know, you could, mm-hmm. you know, if they have, they obviously have a budget, they won't tell us what it is, but it's obviously not what the fans want it to be. Uh, working in the constraints of that budget, maybe that's a smart way to go is, you know, these guys can hit, we'll, find places to play them you know that you know I, I think McNeil seems like a more athletic uh you know someone who's it's not as implausible to think about putting him in left field whereas you know I believe you know I I and many others probably first guessed like putting Daniel Murphy or Lucas Duda in the outfield like, right they don't look like you know, Daniel Murphy doesn't look a hundred percent comfortable at second base. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, whereas McNeil looks more looks more the athlete and seems to have acquitted himself more as someone who could handle that. So, 
<clears throat> you know, it does seem like a lot hinges upon him uh, either handling left or being able to move around uh, for this plan to work. Uh, and, you know, Met fans seem excited about Mr. McNeil. So uh, hopefully he merits that faith. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would also say, like, you know, you had mentioned that the Mets infield is their strength right now because of the depth there. Mm -hmm. And so it's not as huge of a deal that you got two injuries to their proposed opening day infield. I think we all agree that Alonso will be the first baseman in July and August, but I think we were probably looking at Todd Frazier first baseman in April. Wouldn't you Mm -hmm. agree? Yes, that that seems incredibly likely. But if he's hurt, maybe Alonso makes an earlier debut. Maybe McNeil plays more first base going forward. Maybe J.D. Davis gets more of a shot. You know, there are a lot of a lot of options there, and that's. I was thinking J.D. might, uh, you know, again if if he has a big spring or you know they certainly gave up, you know, decent prospects for him. They seem high on him. Uh, he, he certainly seems to have a useful place on the team. Uh, I was, I'm, I'm, I, I, I doubt the Mets will do it. I keep holding out hope that like they'll, one of the ways they'll try and throw a bone of like we're not cheap is uh, actually starting Alonzo. I mean, you know, he's not like 19 year old Vlad Jr. You know, there's been a lot of arguments <laughs> right. made. I'm not the first one to say it that like you're not really saving much. Like he'll be a free agent at 31 when these players are 30, 31 when these players are getting one year contracts, like you could right, be exactly. Lucas Duda at that point, you know, and people are like, Oh sure. You're good. But you know, we could get you elsewhere, for, you know, and they're getting frozen out of the market. So I keep holding out some hope that if he earns it, like that'll be some, Hey, like we can look progressive and, you know, not cheap by bringing up the player who deserves it because it's really not going to save us that much money in the long run. But that's probably a pipe dream. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I I totally get that. And, and I think that that would be a really nice overture to the fans to say, like, hey, I know we could have signed Dallas Keuchel. Mm-hmm. I know we probably could have made, um, you know, Harper or Machado work if we operated the way a New York team should. But we're not going to do that. But we are going to not care about the Super 2 status. So <laughs> it's it's a minor bone to throw them. But you're right. That's yeah. something they could do. I mean, they even didn't they even bring up Noah, you know, sooner than we expected in 2015. You know, yeah. I mean, that was a that's a very uh, different thing, you know. But you know, like I said, it's just uh, something that crossed my mind, and I was if you know, again if if he earns it. I mean, if <clears throat> unlike Vlad Junior, you you could say, well, he needs to work on his defense for a couple of weeks. Right. <laughs> a couple of weeks will really help. But, yeah. you know, you can say it with a straight face at least. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so before we get uh, too deep in the weeds here, you know, we have had, like we said, almost a full week now of spring training games. Do you think that the Mets roster, obviously it will shrink. There are so many goddamn guys in this camp. But, like, <laughs> but in terms of additions, do you think that there's any – chance they still make a notable addition and if so where do you think they might make it um well you know uh, <clears throat> i know the uh i know the readers were delighted and exhausted by the one last move series so yes. uh, <laughs> i feel like we're just giving them more of that uh <laughs> on air um i would hope 
you know, starting rotation or bullpen, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, if they had an injury in the outfield, uh, I think that would, that would make me panic. Like, you know, if, if Conforto was currently in danger of, I mean, that's partly because of what a big piece he is, but it would also be like, is, is Rajai Davis playing every day? Keon Broxton and Juan Ligaris are playing every day. (laughs) You know, what, what are we doing? Um, but you know, I just, I feel like you can never have enough pitchers and, you know, it's, it is absurd that Gio Gonzalez doesn't have a job that I, I hope none of these players have signed. In the last, yeah, exactly. Like, week. But, um, you know, Clay Buckle, uh, you know, I thought um, Adam Warren was interesting. Uh, you know, it's, it's fascinating. We talked a little bit before the podcast about, you know, when I was a kid, like your roster was set, like at or before the Super Bowl, and you just couldn't wait for spring to come. And it's, it's interesting to see all these players out there and feel, like it's amazing to me that a team is going to acquire Bryce Harper soon that like some team is watching spring training and is like going to get one of the best players in baseball in some yeah. ways. Uh, you know, but as far as us, I, I'd love to see a pitching addition. I mean, <clears throat> I don't see how the price could drop any more than it would have. So I'm going to assume no, unless there's an injury, uh, I'm going to assume this is the team. Uh, but I would be happy if they decided otherwise and made an addition on the margins and particularly to increase the starting pitching depth uh, and, you know, at least push Jason Vargas. How about you? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mentioned last, last week on the show and uh, and I think the week before that too, how I think (laughs) that, uh, that Gio Gonzalez could possibly be had for a, a minor league deal at this point, which is a crazy thing to say. I know. But, but, but we're here, you know? I don't, and I, I, you know, he was trying to get two years out of the Mets and they wouldn't do it. I think at this point you could go back and offer him one year, you know, six or seven million dollars and he would jump at that. Yeah. That's a crazy place to be. But I think that the Mets should go out and get a starting pitcher. Absolutely. Uh, even if that starting pitcher turns out to be a bust. What's it going to cost you at this point? Right. Yeah. No. I mean, the, <clears throat> the the cost is negligible. I mean, if you know, even the Mets, I think, you know, could be like, oh, we had to eat five million on, you know, Gio Gonzalez. He blew his elbow out in April. Oh well. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, uh, but yeah, I I would love to see it. And Gio is an interesting point in particular because he's probably the one that, as you said you know, probably was realistically looking for a multi-year deal, whereas these other players presumably were starting looking for one year, and it's kind of like, right? yeah, what? how much more could their price drop? What are, what, you know, if you were interested in them, why wouldn't you have moved now? So, I mean, that would be exciting, but... And I keep I, bringing know. up Dallas Keuchel, even though I'm not a huge Dallas Keuchel <laughs> fan, but isn't it bizarre that a guy... When did he win the Cy Young? Two years ago? Was it 15? I think it was 15. Was that the year he pitched the wild card game against the Yankees? Like, I feel like I had two or three at the most. But, like, when was the last time you could think of a Cy Young winner yeah. being a free agent for this long, you know? I know. I know. There's the God, we're going to lose a lot of baseball in, like, 20 or 21, aren't we? <laughs> Whatever this feels. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, I... 
and I, I really wish the Mets would go out and sign him, but that's unrealistic. I think they could get Gio Gonzalez or insert replacement level starting pitcher here, and mm. it would probably be a very, very smart move for them. But the, the reason, you know, we kind of talk about this every week on the show at this point, but the reason we keep doing it is just because I can't believe we can still be having that conversation. It seemed yeah. like a month ago it was crazy. There were all these players that weren't signed yet. Now here we are a week into spring training, a week into games, mm-hmm. and there's all these players that haven't signed yet. And it's one thing for a position player who probably only needs two or three weeks. Pitchers need spring training. Wow, yeah. And so for these pitchers to not have any place to pitch right now, you hope they're working out someplace because it's going to be messy if they sign three weeks from now. Wow, that's a great point, Brian. Yeah, like, you're right, but position players, like, you know, I can hear Keith now on the broadcast, like, I, I just needed the week or two, Gare. Like, yeah, I, exactly. I, you know, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's absolutely true. You get a, you know, pitcher signs in mid-March, they're not going to, they're not going to pitch for you right until if they're, they're not, you know, either, yeah, they're working out on their own, which feels like it doesn't quite mesh up, or, yeah, they're going to be starting the year late with you. <laughs> yeah, which actually, I mean, I guess, what is it usually? The fifth starter isn't usually used till like, the 10th or 11th game of the season. Yeah. So maybe you could get away with it without mm-hmm. too much penalty, but still, it just seems, it just seems crazy to me. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know, I, like you said, we were talking about how by the Super Bowl, your team used to be pretty much totally set. I think unless you are a team that's doing nothing, that's mm-hmm. not true anymore. No. Yeah. I think every team was still, was still, you know, fiddling around until relatively recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just it's it's such a different world right now. It really it is. It really is. I mean, I yeah, I I do. <clears throat> I know people laugh when you say that, but I kind of feel for like the, you know, like the kind of the more marginal. I, I don't know what I call them marginal. They're major league players who, you know, are having a hard time getting a one year contract. I mean, I'm, as a fan, I'm just fascinated that like, I mean, I have a you know an idea of one of the three places Bryce Harper is going to go. Like. I don't know where Dallas Keuchel and Craig Kimbrell are going to sign. I really don't. I mean, right. <laughs> it's bizarre. Yeah. You ready for some spring training quick hits? Sure. All right. Rosario's been hitting the cover off the ball. Do you believe this is anything? No, but i he's definitely someone, you know, and now I have Pakoda on my side, too. I saw uh, <laughs> that. That uh, Rosario, McNeil, and Alonzo are all possible breakouts, and uh, I think a baseball prospectus. Like, you know, I put no stock into a week or two of spring training, good or bad. But you know, if if he's still doing this at two, three weeks from now, I might be talking about how I'm drafting him ten rounds earlier than everyone in my fantasy draft. Or I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I he's someone I'm very optimistic about. Like I. I don't think people players grow on a linear curve. I mean, we've seen that and I'm not saying he's going to break out, but you know, he is still just 23, right? I mean, I think you know, it's easy to write someone off cuz they've struggled so badly, but you know, I, I don't even want to say str- he hasn't struggled that badly. He just hasn't equaled the expectations people have and he's still younger than a lot of players in the minors and 
you know, I just think there are a lot of good signs late in the year, even though it was not huge, the, the growth and the walk rate a little bit and this, you know, stolen bases. And I, I'm excited about him this year, but, uh, you know, so, so, so yes, but no, like I, you know, I don't, I try not to look at spring training stats much at all, but it, he's someone who I probably should. And, you know, if I were on the show next week and he was still doing this, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, this be <laughs> yeah. I think it's also different to look at stuff like hard contact. Mm-hmm. You want a guy in spring to make hard contact. Yeah. It doesn't really matter if it's landing anywhere. It's just you want him to be seeing the ball well, and it seems like mm-hmm. he's seeing the ball well. So that's a good thing. Absolutely. Um, all right. So I don't know if you heard this. This came out uh, earlier today that Brandon Nimmo got sick eating undercooked chicken that he prepared himself. And I the, did see that. And that the Mets are apparently planning to teach him how to cook. <laughs> Do you think that uh, that basic culinary skills should be taught during spring training? Um, I think that's more of an off-season. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, again, like, surely we can have some prepared meals and, you know, can we yeah. get Brando, like, you know, one of those things, you know, or can we at least get him uh, you know, fresh thermometer. direct? We, you, we, yeah, fresh direct and a meat thermometer. <laughs> just just follow this, make it, eat it, or or just order in. Order yeah. in shitty food and we'll just work you out really hard. Yeah. Uh, I mean, to be fair, he probably has eaten more Chipotle than you and I put together because he was a minor league baseball player and true. that's what they did. So, you know, I, I mean, he's, he's trying to break that habit, which I appreciate, but, yes. but come on, Brandon. He's from like... Shouldn't he know how to shoot gut and cook his own food? Or am I just badly stereotyping the state of Wyoming right now? I mean, turning off all our Wyoming listeners. Yeah, all six of them. Yeah. <laughs> all it's it's all it's it's all guys Nimmo went to high school with that listened to our <laughs> show. Uh, but no, I I kind of had the same thought actually. Like, didn't he must have hunted right? He must have cooked a meal yeah. over a fire at some point. But I guess not. He was too busy playing American Legion baseball because there was no high school baseball where he grew up. There, there you go. Um, okay, so have you watched any of the spring training games yet? I watched the. I missed the first game. I was I was on vacation, but yeah, I saw the I saw the drubbing. The uh, ten was it ten one against the Astros. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah. Just because I got home and I was like, oh my god, there's baseball on my television. <laughs> yeah, uh, and uh, it. Del- it delighted me. <laughs> have you noticed the pitch clock yet? I have. I mean, they were folk. Um, also, uh, I think I've mentioned this before, boring people, but my wife's a Cardinal fan and she was watching uh, one of the Cardinal spring training games and, you know, they were focusing on it and talking about it. And I, I did notice it. Uh, you know, they definitely have thrown to it in several clips or games that I've seen. So what are your you know, I've, overall I've, thoughts so far? Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't mind. I don't mind it. I just think like it's a, you know, I'll be, you know, I just see the Mets in the playoffs and I'll just be like, don't, don't rush Jacob DeGrom. He's deciding what pitch he wants to throw. 25 seconds is ridiculous. Um, To me, it seems like a little bit of a solution to a problem that isn't really a problem. Mm -hmm. I don't think pace of play is the problem in, in baseball. That's just me, but you know, I'm also already a fan. Mm-hmm. So and they want to get new fans. But it hasn't been super obtrusive until they're pointing it out. Yeah. No, I wouldn't have known 
in a way, if they weren't pointing it out, I, you know, and I hate, you know, I hate anything that reeks of traditionalism, but I, I have always loved, you know, saying, well, baseball is like the one game without a clock, you know, or mm-hmm. the one major sport, you know, uh, I, I just like that aspect of it. And I, I kind of agree with you. I don't think it is, even if pace of play were a problem, which I don't find it to be like, I think there are other places like, you know, whatever, enforcing a strike zone or, or right. <clears throat> cutting back commercials, which I know will never happen. Or, you know, I know they've made strides and not letting batters take time between, uh, you know, I would be more I would be more in favor of the idea of like a pitcher has to pitch to two or three batters or something, even though that's a more of a definitive rule change. But <clears throat> I mean, if you if you're really worried about pace of play, which again I'm not, I would almost prefer that to a pitch clock because yeah, I think the pitch clock, as you very succinctly put it, is like answering a problem that doesn't really exist. I could almost understand the pitch clock if no one's on base, hmm. but I think if someone's on base, you can't. And I don't know what the what the ruling is on that. Have they said that yet? That's a good question. What about like stolen bases? Like what about? I mean, I know you could still throw over, but. If the pitch clock's getting to like one or zero, does that give you know give the base runner some advantage of? I know, you know there was there was some talk of not of having the pitch clock go away go away go away when someone's on base. I don't know where, where they landed on that, but that's okay. I would especially not like a pitch clock when someone's on base. No, I mean that's that's part of the fun, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it you know. Not to get off on a tangent here, but I was talking with my dad a couple weeks ago about when they lowered the mound, mm-hmm. and he said that you know people got very upset about it initially, and then now it's it's not talked about in any controversial terms whatsoever. And I wonder if one of these big rule changes happened, if it would be like the lowering of the mound when people kind of get over it, or would it be the DH where people are still bitching about it? to this day <laughs> like which is you know which wow. is the fate of the pitch clock that is an interesting i mean i bet you the pitch clock would would be more of the lowering the mound where like 25 30 years from now kids would just be like they didn't have a pitch clock you know right. like, yeah exactly um whereas <clears throat> like i said you know something along the lines of you have to pitch to three batters or something that's a yeah that's a real rule change uh that might be more memorable uh, or debatable long-term. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't want it or think they need it, but I think you could probably make a very salient, convincing argument that, yeah, 10 years from now, you won't really notice it. And, you know, unless you want to be a crotchety old man yelling at class. Right. Exactly. You can sit there all day. Now, my question um, for you is, would you prefer a uh, pitcher has to pitch to two or three batters or manager can only make four pitching changes throughout the game? No, or five, I, I th- wh- whatever it is, you know? I don't think you can cap. I mean, you know, also you're getting into like, do they increase it by one inning or something? I, I actually just like the two or three batters. I, I prefer that for like strategy and like I, I – I don't get me wrong. I love loogies. I love the term loogie, uh, <laughs> but I think it would make some more interesting strategy of like, do I want a lefty to pitch to 
Conforto and Alonzo, or do I, you know, bring, you know I'm, I'm just deciding to use the mitt. The mitt yeah. <laughs> right, of course, yeah. <laughs> Our soon-to-be-imposing 3-4, uh, you know, or do I, you know, am I willing to roll with the righty because I want him to pitch to, you know, I, I I think there that's more, there's more interesting strategy to that. I I think putting a hard cap on pitchers in a game is a, to me that's more reductive. Uh, you know, I I'm not necessarily advocating for you know the, the you have to pitch to two or three batters. I just it's one of the few rule changes that I didn't have that instinctive like no. I, I was actually like hmm. Okay. All right. I'll I'll listen to that. Uh, a hard cap on pitchers in a game sounds a little harsh, like especially if you <clears throat> have that, uh, you know, one inning, eight eight run outing. You know? Right. It's yeah. Like, you really have to hang someone out to dry, or like, and then what if you get back in that game? I don't, I don't like that as much. That that seems more structural, structurally different to me. But you know, again smarter people than me could probably uh, convince me otherwise or, you know, make a compelling argument why that would not be as intrusive. Now, this is a bit of news that kind of got under my radar, and you were just on vacation, so maybe this went under yours too. Did you hear about the new Major League Baseball deal with the Independent League? No, I didn't. So I believe it's the Independent... i got to look this up now. I'll talk, and then I'll look up as you react to it. But it was... um, the uh, Major League Baseball made a deal with the Independent League to allow, like, more extreme rule changes to be tested out there hmm. in anticipation of put it, of um, of trying it, you know, in, I guess, in the minors where it's been done historically. It's always been, you know, if something new is going to, like, the pitch clock's been happening in minor league baseball <clears throat> for a little while now. You know that's that's yeah. a couple of years for that, but this appears to be a new a new relationship that would give um, that would give them a uh, a new place to try things. How how do you feel about that? I mean, I don't mind them trying things, and you know, if it makes it you know more of a test tube and less of a oh, this is coming soon to a theater near to a ballpark near you because we started it in the minors, I'm okay, I guess I'm okay with it. I mean, you know, I, it, it's, it, look, I mean, it's hard to argue against try something and see how it works. You know, I don't like it if it's, we're trying things, but it's really a fait accompli that we're going to do it. Um, I will say on a <clears throat> side tangent, the thing that will drive me batshit insane where you're going to have to pull me off of roofs is if they do the starting a batter on starting a player on second base in the in extra innings, like I will I will lose it and you know become Grandpa Simpson yelling at clouds. I mean that that will that's just not baseball to me. Like and that's like you know no one wants these twenty inning games. I do. I really do. I mean I I am the exact same way. I, I think that that is the most <laughs> offensive idea. But what's crazy? So I, my brother is a. Uh, he still plays. He's like thirty three. I guess it's just turned thirty three, and he still mm-hmm. plays in a couple of semi pro baseball leagues. You know, in yeah. the summers and all that. And that that was the one rule he's all for. Huh. And I couldn't believe that. 
that seemed yeah. crazy to me. I was like, really? He said, yeah, just, you know, it's a, uh, it's a weird, like, it's a weird thing to try, but, but why not go for it? It seems to be a, uh, it seems to be something that would be, that would add a lot of excitement to extra inning games. Whereas a lot of fans, I think, get upset when extra inning stuff happens. This would be, it would make it faster. It would make it more like the current, um, and a the NFL overtime, which I hate. I hate I, that too. Yeah. You know, so, so so maybe this is just you, a you and me <laughs> thing. But uh, you know, it really seems crazy I to mean, me. Do we really just want to watch people bunt the guy over to third and then either strike out or hit a sack fly or like in, intentionally walk two people and get a double play? It's going to be the same fucking inning over and over. Basically, that is an excellent point. Yeah, it's just going to yeah, be a very very boring couple of innings when i think. would do the like minor league recaps last year for amazing avenue like that would like i would kind of look and it seemed like 70 percent of the time that's how the inning went and i was just like oh of course it did you know like i don't know of course you know i mentioned this thing about the international league and now i can't find it anywhere i swear i read <laughs> this but i but i have been having fever dreams lately so was maybe it the atlantic league maybe it was the atlantic or, league actually maybe it I was i saw the people league. on i saw people on our, on slack i thought i saw something mentioned about it uh that yeah i just didn't have the context to really know what was going on or contribute but uh <laughs> maybe that's it yeah, um, how do you, what do you, you hear? You're right. It, it was the Atlantic League. You're right. look at look at you, man. Didn't even see it, and you figured it out. <laughs> yeah, so, um, God bless let's see. pizza. <laughs> the agreement allows MLB to implement changes to the Atlantic League playing rules in order to observe the effects on potential future rule changes and equipment in the majors. Um, several of those changes could include <clears throat> moving back the mound and using a computerized data system to call balls and strikes, as well as send in depth data to every about every pitch and ball put into play in the Atlantic League. Wow. I, I mean, on <sighs> one hand, I feel like if it's something that's so extreme, okay, if it's moving the mound back, you can't expect a player in AAA to pitch from one mound and in the get called up and be pitching in a mound that's closer or further away. Yeah. I understand why that makes more sense to do it um in in an independent league that isn't as uh that isn't as much of a pipeline to the majors, mm -hmm. right? Um uh, on the other hand though, I think that there's a big difference in the quality of player on the average Atlantic League team than there is in the average major league team. And mm. so if some of these things are like for instance if moving the mound back is a consideration I would think that would that the data you'd be getting from the minor leaguers would be closer to major league accurate than the data you're getting from the Atlantic League. That's a very good point, Brian. Um <clears throat> I mean my hope would be that they would be going from the Atlantic League to trying it like like right that if, phase if, one. Yes. To, yes. You know. Yeah. Uh, you know, I can't get too bent out of shape about it as a petri dish for, you know, uh, I'm sure so if you throw out things like that, yeah, like they, they might move the mound back. They might move this. Like those individual ideas, uh, you know, 70% of them, I probably will be like, no, but whatever. Like 
try it out, get the data, you know, uh, you know, then try it in the minor leagues. You know, I, I guess I can't get bent out of shape about that. Even if, you know, <clears throat> I wager 70% of the things they come up with out of there, I will get bent out of shape over <laughs> <laughs> if they get closer to the majors. Yeah. Um, but I do think it's interesting. And I think it's a good sign that baseball wants to try some crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. Like that also might make me get out to, the, to an Atlantic game, Atlantic League game this summer. Like, yeah. Especially if they try some of the wacky, if if they're doing track man call, calling balls and strikes, like <laughs> I I kind of want to get out there and see that. Yeah, yeah, I I can't argue with that. Like I, there is a curiosity factor, and you know, yeah, it, like I said, it's <clears throat> it feels far enough away that I'm like, sure, go crazy, try yeah. stuff out, you know, and then we have the conversation. Then then everyone gets riled up on Twitter and online and everywhere but yeah yeah do you think that i know you mentioned before kind of jokingly how we're going to lose a lot of baseball when the next collective bargaining agreement uh discussions are happening but there has been some talk that perhaps they will be entering the negotiating table earlier than than scheduled to try and avoid that Hmm. and start making some progress now do you think that there's any any chance that we don't get a strike? Because to me, a strike feels inevitable. Feels inevitable. I will, <clears throat> I guess I have to give a tip of the cap to being proactive. Like in my childhood memory, when, you know, labor strife was so much more frequent, uh, it felt like they just didn't really talk to like the deadline was days away or, you know, oh, it's expiring at the end of the year. Well, we'll hash it out this off season. Uh, so, I, I suppose I'll have to take a kernel of hope that they're already talking about looking at this, but it just feels, you know, too much like that, like 87, yeah, that like collusion era, like, you know, there, there's something entrenched that feels like owners seem like they're operating from a position of power that they're not going to be willing to negotiate <laughs> away. And, you know, there needs to be some kind of fundamental change that, yeah, there there might just wind up needing to be a work stoppage, a strike or a lockout <clears throat> to get action on. I mean, if if you asked me to go to Vegas and put money on on something, I'd go with that. But uh, I'm I'm happy if there are already rumblings like, oh, there, yeah, we should start discussions now. You know? Yeah, what I think is going to make it more difficult is that if I were an owner, I would want nothing to change right now. No, like the, this is this is sort of the best possible world for them. They're getting mm-hmm. all the money. They don't they don't need to dole out as much to players as maybe players are worth. They uh, they have it pretty good. So what's the incentive for the owner, the owners to help to, to find some common ground here? They don't think they need any common ground, right? Which means about the only way to make them need to do something is to not go out and give out the product that makes them their money, I guess. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's going to be very, very interesting. Yeah. I mean, and, and there's also that side of it where like the players would have to, for once, like probably, I don't want to say for once, I'm putting an onus of blame on them, but that like, they, you know, their concern will probably have to be for the younger and future members. Like, whereas I feel like, well, like the reason they're in the, you know, whatever, it's not like when the 
deal was signed, I was like, wow, the owners really took it to him. But, you know, it's just that's how it's developed. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting that, like, I feel like where the players really need to focus is kind of on, like, the, the younger players and, like, the next generation, you know, or, like, the, you know, the players like Gio Gonzalez who are, you know, not getting the contracts they've probably earned, that they've earned in past years, you know, in the negotiations this time might have to be like, well, this isn't going to help me, but it's going to help, you know, the guys who are coming up now and, you know, the younger guys, you know, and I, I think the players will need to, yeah, I, again, I'm not trying to dictate to them, but it'll be interesting, like, if they're able to take that kind of foresight, because I think that would, you know, be a stronger place for them to approach it from or like where they where it looks like there needs to be more change yeah yeah uh, you know friend of the site friend of the podcast ted berg has done some great writing about the injustice of minor league salaries oh my god yeah. and uh i think that they really need that needs to be addressed but i don't think that it will I think what's going to wind up being addressed is the minimum salary and mm -hmm. arbitration years and things like that, which are all important and all should be addressed. But when the minimum mm -hmm. salary for Major League Baseball is just shy of $600,000 a year, yeah, that's very different than the minor league baseball minimum contract, which I think is something like $10,000 a year. Yeah, I, I, I forget what it is, but it's it's pretty brutal. And like, yeah, I just like want to point that out to like every person who you know just kind of takes that oh they're all spoiled millionaires and like yeah, i'm just like you know just just go watch the movie sugar or something all right just and then and then just shut up <laughs> like, I just, <laughs> like i don't know like yeah it's, it's, it's incredible that baseball has gotten away with that for so long i mean you know uh, not that it's any better but you know at least the NFL and the NBA have like the, Oh, it's, it's the colleges fault, you know, Oh, they're, right, they're going yeah. to college. It's not, you know, but these are people who've given up, like, you know, they're not going to school. Like they've committed to this as a career and they're making below minimum wage. Right. Any, pretty much any state, you know, it's, it, it, they can be. And, you know, like people just focus on the, Oh, Bryce Harper got a whatever signing bonus. And it's like, yeah, that's, there are 40 rounds to the draft. Right, you know? exactly. Like, uh, most of those guys are not getting that. I'm trying to find it now. I'm not going to be able to find it. But somebody had tweeted a couple of days ago a proposal that said something along the lines of bump the minimum salary up to $2 million, have do away with arbitration. Hmm. You get... If you're signed out of the international draft, you get something like 10 years of team control. Out of high school, you're given eight years of team control or nine years of team control. Um, out of college, you get six years of team control, and then hmm. free agency hits. Interesting. And and I, I never thought of it that way. I think there's a lot of problems with that, but I think <laughs> that's a, an imminently more fair system because yeah. – then you figure if you make the major leagues and you have, you know, six years of control or whatever, it's uh you're making twelve million dollars. That's way more than a lot of players will make over the course of all their arbitration years added up. But you're also gonna not get your Jacob DeGroms making 
mm-hmm. record money this year. You know, yeah, it's an interesting. Uh, I'd have to, yeah, sit with that a while. That that is interesting, but it, it certainly at at like first glance, it gets uh, kind of gets away with from that problem of like, oh, we're not, you know, like the manipulation of service time. It's like if the if the clock starts right away, then you actually want your best players up as soon right, as possible. Right, exactly. Um, you know, that seems like that's like an immediate, you know, not that that's the only benefit, but that that's what jumped out to me. Um, and yeah, that's, that is interesting. Uh, you know, I, I suppose you, the argument would be like the DeGrom type player maybe would be more interested in, you know, signing the extension that, you know, with the two year, the last two years of team control and the first two years of free agency, like, but you know, who knows it, I'd, I'd have to sit with that a while and just stare at it befuddled uh like homer simpson looking at anything <laughs> but yeah uh, you know it, it's any i mean it obviously needs improvement uh and you know i <clears throat> it'll be a fun conversation uh yeah i i think that there's going to be a lot of fascinatingly terrible takes between now and then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so strap in for that folks. Um, all right. Before I let you go, we are, uh, we're sort of revamping some podcast stuff and, uh, I'm not going to reveal too much of it yet, but Rob is going to be doing some more podcast stuff. We're bringing back an old segment. I don't know if we're going to rename it or not, but, uh, we used to call it Forgotten Mets. Uh, I believe you pitched unformidable, right? As <laughs> yeah, potentially more- a name. Formidable or unformidable, one of them. (laughs) So, uh, but we're going to be bringing this back. And I was thinking about this today. Like, I know spring training doesn't count, but doesn't this spring training roster seem like the ultimate forgotten Mets roster? Oh, there, there's some potential gold out there, as you said to me before we started. If if Danny Espinosa gets a couple of at bats with the Mets, yeah, <laughs> um, that is uh, fodder for a podcast five years down the road. For sure. I mean, Gregor Blanco, wow, Rajay Davis, Rajay, Rajay, uh, sure. Danny Hechevarria. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there are so many names out there that could be really good fodder for this. Yeah, yeah, there's a whole potential 25-man roster. I forgot that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Is there uh Have you ever been out to spring training? I have. I have. I was telling uh, – the, the, I, I went twice uh, in three years. Uh, I'm trying to – I think 2014 and 16. Um, I I – got uh i have i have jacob de autograph on a spring training uh Ooh. program my wife just like you know, were sitting <clears throat> down the left field line uh my favorite memory is bartolo is pitching that game uh he was warming up and like all of the young guns just were delightedly watching him warm up like <laughs> syndergaard de harvey they were all just like watching the maestro at work just cackling um, yeah, like, you know, DeGrom was signing autographs for a bunch of kids, and I was like, I'm, I'm not going to get an autograph, and my wife's like, he's like your favorite player, go go get his autograph. And I was like, no, it's stupid getting autographs, and yeah, and more adults that were sauntering in, and I was like, alright, <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm five feet from him. Um, and, you know, I was just like, it's a delight watching you pitch, and I was like, oh, thank you. You know, just very, you know, right, right, yeah. smiled and nodded. It was probably like, why is this person older than me asking for an <laughs> autograph? He's probably going to sell it online. But, 
it's it's just amazingly casual and delightful. Um, I saw Stephen Metz pitch to Ichiro, you know, and I was sitting like, th- you know, four rows behind home right. plate. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah. And then we went, we went to some Cardinal games for my wife, which was less awesome, but, you know, it's still spring <laughs> training. Uh, yeah. I, I went in, I think, 06 and also mm-hmm. maybe 09, somewhere in that mm-hmm. ballpark. I want to say it was, was it 06 that Ricky Henderson was on the Mets as a coach? I think he was. Whatever year Ricky Henderson was a coach, I was I went to spring training. And I wow. had like the most I think I might have said this in the show before. I had the most perfect Ricky Henderson interaction, which was that he was walking by sort of I I was sitting on the first baseline and he was walking by and I I yelled out something like, you know, "Hey Ricky, it's good to see you back with the Mets." And he said, "Thanks, man. Ricky appreciates that." <laughs> <laughs> Which is I I couldn't have asked for anything better than that. Oh, he de- that man always delivered. His, he did. Uh, exactly. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So it was it was glorious, and uh, <laughs> you know I never need to uh, to have another spring training memory because that's the best one. But I did see Oliver Perez pitch to pitch against the Red Sox in a spring training mm-hmm. game, and that was kind of fun. Um, yeah. I don't know if I saw any like really interesting players or anything i i don't recall but when i was a kid like i guess i was in middle school or maybe even like freshman year of high school i guess it was middle school during the the 95 season because the season started late because of the Mm -hmm. because of the uh strike in 94 and so my parents and i were on vacation in florida and we used to vacation near a uh i guess it was near the old marlins spring training facility and so okay. it, it was a Marlins Dodgers game we went to, and it was Hideo Nomo's first spring training start in his first year playing for oh. the playing for the Dodgers. So that was kind of fun. That was That's very cool. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Uh, but yeah, I uh, I love spring training. I'm not at the point yet where the games are bugging me because yeah. they're so, I mean they're they're long right now, and yeah. by the by the fifth inning you don't know half the fucking players, but you know. Especially for the other teams, like, yeah. I have a good enough knowledge of the Mets farm system that I, I know who some of these guys are. But you know, right. but then you get to like the last couple of weeks of spring training, you just want to start counting. Yeah, but I'm not yeah, there absolutely. yet. This is still a lot of fun. It's all, still a lot of fun. I agree. Even when even when everyone's wearing a number eighty and above for the last four innings, <laughs> yep. it's still fun. It's still baseball. Thank God it's back. <laughs> folks that does it for another installment of amazing avenue audio thank you so much for joining us we truly appreciate it go to amazingavenue.com where we can all count down the days till opening day together we have spring training game recaps we have some season previews we got lots going on so come on by and enjoy it with all of us you can also find amazing avenue on facebook twitter and instagram at amazing avenue you can get this show from apple podcasts from stitcher from your podcatcher of choice we are going to be changing things up a little bit with the podcast in the coming weeks, and we're excited to sort of share all that with you, so stay tuned for that. You can email the show, aaaudiopodcast at gmail.com. 
We haven't done emails in a few weeks, but next week I promise we'll do some emails. Um, and you can find the contributors for this show on Twitter. I am at Brian Needs a Nap. Rob is at Wolf with two F's RR. So Wolf RR. Well, um, hopefully next time we talk, there will be no more injury news and we'll have more reports of Ahmed Rosario hitting the shit out of the ball. So let's hope for that. And until next time, let's go Mets. Let's go Mets.